The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is a HeadGum Podcast. And welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Ofakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at ofakind.com. Hey! Hey! I told you I was going to ask you a question. You didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah. But something that I've been thinking about for a little bit, for kind of a while. When do people put on lipstick? Like, do you mean during the day? Yeah. Like, besides the morning when they leave the house? What? That's exactly what I mean. I I don't I am not the right person to ask this question. I actually to. feel like it's a question for the women on our team because, because they, they always, do a really they good do job. a great lip. Like Marie and Liz are always rocking a bright red lip, and it's there in the middle of the day. And you might do have, they take it to the bathroom with them? That's my guess. I don't know. You may have noticed that I have a, a tube of lipstick on. Yeah, the what, table I was right wondering now. what that tube of lipstick was because I don't recognize it, and I typically recognize most of your lipstick. You know what What's it is? That? When we did the panel, um, it's flirt, and it's called chic happens. <laughs> Well, I don't know. It's either called Chic Happens. It's either called Chic Happens or it's called Meme Lover Kajai. It says both on the bottom of this. I think the problem that we're we're trying to solve right now is that Chic doesn't naturally happen. (laughs) And when do you make it happen? Well, one, I want to tell you that this was that lipstick that we had a really good makeup artist who did our faces when we did a panel in in D.C. Yeah. And she really sweetly was like, I'm worried that this is going to come off and I want to just give you the tube so you can reapply it. She was wonderful. She was great. Well, and what was funny is I remember thinking like, that's so kind of you, but I never reapply lipstick. So I, but I have been, so I've been trying to wear this more because I like it so much and she um and so I was we were coming here and I was like I want to be wearing this lipstick when I left the house this morning I told myself that I was gonna actually wear the lipstick and but, but I didn't when, know when to put it on. And, and but it's been on the table since we got here, and you haven't found it. But a it's good like moment. I even went to the bathroom when we got here. But what was I going to do? Like carry? It? I don't carry lipstick with me to the bathroom. That no, never occurs to me. I know. Same. So I don't know. Write in, tell us, or maybe we'll just ask. You know, some people in Team of a Kind when exactly they're applying lipstick because I, I like it. I want to be someone who like looks 
pulled together at times other than just like nine to 10 in the morning or whatever. Totally. I do think I put on that henne limp tint, th- mm-hmm. the lip tint that we have more regularly because yeah. I feel like I don't need you don't a need mirror. It. Yeah. That's well, that's the other thing is I feel like I only started wearing actual lipstick again in the last couple of years. And from ages, I don't know, 15 to 28 or 30, I only wore lip gloss because that's all that was in. And then you just put on lip gloss whenever you want and your hair just gets stuck in it when you're walking (laughs) down the street. I mean, who cares at that point? Yeah. But yeah, I just wasn't really wearing a proper lipstick, but proper lipstick you need a mirror for. And yes, 100%. I don't know when you put it on. It's on your chin, both. Yeah. Yeah. It just never. And like, it's a funny thing too, because it's like, well, I I don't need to be wearing lipstick to this meeting or whatever. So I'm not going to go put it on. But I just like, I do like it. I know. I understand. I understand exactly what you're getting at. Thank you. Well, Um, one thing that I can contribute to this conversation, because I could not give you an answer to that question at all, was the the makeup artist. Yeah, tell me. I thought she was so good. She's so great. If anybody ever needs a makeup artist in Washington, D.C. Or the surrounding areas. Or the, yeah, or Maryland or Virginia. um, This woman, Gina Batelli. Yeah. G-I-N-A-B-E-T-T-E-L-L-I. G Batelli on Instagram is awesome. You should book her. She's great. She was great. We we got our makeup done before this awesome panel we did for this other awesome thing called Ladies Get Paid that is a organization that it's sort of like support system. They hold events. They have awesome Slack channel to help women think Ask about what they want. Yeah, how to make sure they're getting rich. Yeah, negotiate. Um, yeah, Claire Wasserman runs that. And it, another wonderful Claire. Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Another cosmetics um, adjacent topic I'd like to yeah. discuss. Yeah. Um, I've been using the shampoo and conditioner that um, former podcast guest and my hair stylist, Chris Lasbaluto, introduced me to. I I know this about you, but I didn't really know how you felt about it that much until you started selling it. And so yeah. I'm, I feel like I need a lot more and I need to well, know if I Well, the reason you didn't know is because I don't wash my hair very often. So yeah, so there's not a, you don't have to <laughs> rave about it that frequently. When it co- Well, and it takes me a while to fall for things. So it's like kind of wasn't like until- nine months. <clears throat> yeah, like <laughs> I, it wasn't until I'd finished an entire bottle and was like, oh my gosh, I actually like really like this. And I noticed my the difference when I use anything else. It's really good. Um, I also the other thing is I started using it right at the same time that I chopped off a lot of my hair. So it was hard to figure out what the different like what was yeah, causing to, the if it was just like all the dead long hair all hair's dead but you know what I yeah, mean exactly. all the like scraggly long hair was gone yeah, yeah and I was like getting to know what my hair does at this length we were still learning about each other totally I mean? totally um, so so here's where you landed what did you land on? so it's I use so it's this line of of product um called virtue labs and it's made with alpha keratin 60 ku which is a whole human keratin and I feel like Keratin became sort of commonly known recently or in the last couple of years because people were doing these keratin treatments that were yeah. actually, they're like smooth out your hair and straighten it, but also sort of destroy it. Um, but this is, for whatever reason, is able to use keratin in a way that doesn't destroy your hair. It is born from regenerative medicine and it is absolutely identical to the keratin that is already in your hair, skin and nails. Um, so it's like it, the most damaged parts of your hair respond to it because it so if you have like itself. split ends or yeah. exactly it was this is the craziest thing this thing this keratin 60 ku was originally developed to help heal battlefield injuries by um this guy well i don't know if this is the guy who developed it but they're the chief science advisor at virtue labs is a retired army colonel who's who i think they are related things but not the same thing yeah. yes yeah isn't that crazy yeah no totally um 
anyway, the the woman who who founded it was previously the CEO of Frederick Fakai. All of these awesome celebrities are into it. I'm really into it. Um, there was something else. I oh, this was the other thing I wanted to say about it. So I use the smooth yeah. um, version. Wine, yeah. yeah, and. <clears throat> One of the problems with my hair and most curly hair is that it's really, really dry, which is why I don't like to wash it that much. And when Chris was handing me the bottles and being like, you got to try this, he was like, you might not want to use the conditioner every time. And I was like, that's crazy. What are you talking about? Like, I would never not use conditioner. But he's right. Like, the shampoo is actually really moisturizing, which shampoos rarely are. I still use a conditioner all the time because... I'm crazy like that, but, yeah. you know, just wild about moisture. <laughs> um, anyway, we now sell it on com, which is extremely exciting for me and for you. You can take 10% off of it with the code a few things. Um, so what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about some of we're it's a best of 10 things episode. Some of our favorite things that we've put in 10 things, things that deserve more than one to two lines of text. Things that like once you put them in, then two weeks later, you're sitting down to write 10 things and you're like, man, I, wish- I mostly just have done that. Yeah, I mostly yeah. have just done more of that. <laughs> and I want to like, I feel like I want to put it in twice because it's that good. Totally. Yeah. And um, if you're listening and you don't know, 10 things is the newsletter yeah. we send out every Monday and you should get on that. Oh, my God. It's, you know. What? It's 10 things. It's the greatest <laughs> newsletter. Um, what What are you really excited about from um, 10 things lately? What am I really excited about? Um, okay. This Sanrio character, mm. Gudetama. I'm like readjusting my seat because I feel <laughs> like so I have a lot about, to say yeah. about him. Um, so Gudetama is... Do you know that you're pronouncing it right? I, I do. Wow. Because I was, you're saying it A, with a lot of confidence and B, not how I would have pronounced it. Just How would you say it? it? I hadn't actually said it out loud in real life. I'd been saying it in my head as Gudetama. I don't know. Gudetama. 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 Yeah. I mean, I might not be putting the emphasis on the right syllable that I'm that I'm quite quite possibly effing up. But according to the Internet, my general pronunciation is correct. OK. Um, so he is uh, an egg yolk. <laughs> so good. He is a cartoon egg yolk. It's really good. Mm. He is uh, downtrodden and exhausted looking. He um, is done with life. Um, You will most frequently find him reclining, typically on an egg white and Mm. often with a piece of bacon as a blanket. So he's not always with his white. No, he's just the yolk. Wow. The white's like a separate thing. Um, I'd actually hadn't fully processed. That. Yeah, no, he's okay. the yoke. Okay. Um, he has arms and legs and okay. like hands and mm-hmm. feet, but no fingers and toes. Okay. He has um, a mouth, but like no teeth. Um, yeah. yeah, he looks like a he looks like a char- like a caricature for sure. In your research, what, yes, oh, in, into this, did you turn up anything about how often new Sanrio characters are introduced? Um, I don't know the frequency with which they are are uh introduced yeah. but he was hatched um you didn't <laughs> i got you, it you i got yeah, it okay <laughs> he was hatched in 2013 and it was part of a contest he came in second place <laughs> Poor guy. which i think actually no i think that's right for him it's what he I like understand. it set the tone yeah um so he came in second place in the yeah. sanrio contest they were looking for a food-based character uh the winner was a salmon fillet <laughs> I love it. The salmon filet is actually very charming looking, but I understand why this egg yolk like has has really just kind of taken, taken well, the world but by storm. Was the salmon filet also born into reality? 
Yeah, no, the okay. salmon fillet exists. He okay. has like two products, <laughs> and Gudetama has like 150 products. Because people just have been responding yeah. better and to him. And basically, the I, hypothesis yeah. that like yeah. Vox wrote about him, Wall, the Wall Street Journal wrote wow. about him, really interesting, fascinating. Um, so the reason people think that he's like just yeah. really taken off is that he's like a, he's like the cartoon character for our time. A downtrodden um, egg yolk. This downtrodden egg yolk. It's so yeah. good. He's like weary. He's melancholy. He like can't even basically. Oh. He has this book. One of his products is this book. This called... is really interesting to me because is this the first like actual book from Sanrio? I don't know. I couldn't get to the bottom. Okay. Of that. Um, but the book is called Existential Thoughts. And the first line of it is just meh. <laughs> is there a plot? No. Is there it a are... picture book? Yeah, it's a picture book, pretty much. <laughs> he has these little video series, too. I don't know. He has, like, a lot going, and people okay. really seem, like, to be drawn to his little personality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, like, a very fascinating little little guy. Um, I'm intrigued. People also, I, I think maybe it was, I can't remember which which source was positing, and I do not buy into this one, yeah. um, that part of the appeal was that he's hanging on to his youth, um, because he's an egg and there's nothing younger than an egg. Like, wow. Like that, yeah. Egg yeah, is like this unborn little, thing. Yeah. That seems like one too many layers for Sanrio analysis. A hundred percent. But yeah. it really also just reminded me how strongly I feel and have felt about Sanrio. That's how I'm my, feeling. Like, listening to this is like, way to go, young Claire, for, and like teen, late teens and early 20s Claire. <laughs> for Claire from having, ages <laughs> 5 to 25. Yeah. Roughly. Yes. Yeah, that's how yeah. long I loved Sanrio yeah. and Hello Kitty. I loved it so much. And I'm just feeling like, yes, and I still understand why. And I'm actually, yeah, like, talking about it is tapping into the feelings of like they're really pretty high quality stationary and plastic products 100%. that were just so delightful and really were probably my first experience of the like magic of beautiful stationery. totally and just like and professional stickers. enthusiasm yes. yeah I remember at one of at one of our early moments mm-hmm. I distinctly remember you had a Hello Kitty calendar in your dorm room and I remember being like I like we're gonna be friends. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel I'm like remember- seen by this person, and <laughs> you're you're the kind of person who willingly hangs up a Hello Kitty calendar yeah. in her like freshman dorm room. Yeah, there's an authenticity here that I buy into. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because you brought that up recently. Also, right, working on the book, we were it, coming it, up with all of yeah, these. we were yeah, trying to remember yeah. all of this stuff on to write work wife and um. I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember. But again, now that we're really digging deep into the world of Sanrio, I am remembering that being a thing of like, right, we both like we come from totally different towns in America. Like we never met, but we both have tapped into this thing or have gone deep on Sanrio. And this was like mostly pre-internet. I mean, AOL was around, obviously, but it it wasn't. It was not when the internet was like the way you would have found these things. Or that like something takes off, like something nostalgic takes off in this way. Um, I... Obviously loved like Hello Kitty herself, but sure. the one that I decided was mine yeah. that was like that I identified with was Caro Caro Karopi. I really liked Caro Caro Karopi. Mine was Monkichi. Oh, the that's monkey. a really good one. Um, that's a really he, good one. But he's been discontinued. I'm so sad to say. And I'm not going to blame it on Gudetama. Uh, quite a while ago. Quite a while ago. Oh, that's really upsetting. Um, it's really upsetting. I remember I must I was in junior high. May, I must have been in junior high. 
I remember distinctly, maybe it was in high school. No, junior high. My friend Paige and I went to Chicago to mm. Woodfield Mall, which is like the big suburban, like the yeah. biggest of the suburban malls um, with her mom. And it was like these shopping trips her mom would do. She was like a really hardcore shopper. Yeah. And we were just basically like dropped off and told we were meant to meet at like 6 p.m. at the Rainforest Cafe. Oh, my God. That speaks to what time this was. Wow. Yeah, and that was like, you know, a big deal that the like we were going to the Rainforest Cafe. Cafe. Yeah. And she and I... Basically, there was a Sanrio store at this Whoa. mall, which a whole Sanrio store. Yes. And if we went there once, we went there six times. Wow. Like, I don't even know because we would just go and we would spend like $17 and then yeah. they would leave and then we'd be like, but I do think I really want that pencil case. Oh, like, yeah. I just feel like I can't you leave do. without that pencil case. Then you'd go back and you buy the pencil case and then you'd see something else. And then there were like stickers and yeah. I my I accessed Sanrio through a really wonderful toy store in Wilmington called Zany Brainy. And I remember I used to like beg my parents to take me there long past the time where it made sense for me to go to a toy store. But it was yeah, because totally. they had um, Sanrio and it was one of it was like that excitement of IRL shopping where I would always be like, what are they going to have now? Like, are they going to have new Sanrio stuff? 100%. And like I would just I knew exactly where it was and I would just go there and sift through everything. Oh my god! In high school, I had a Kuro 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 B pencil, a bento box that I used as a pencil box. Wow! Yeah, you would have been. Really I had a plastic it. case too, but it was more. It had like a dome. Mine had top. chopsticks in it. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, mine wasn't like that. Mine was more of like a treasure chest. It was probably I had a lot of Sanrio themed um, piggy bank style stuff. Totally. Yeah. Um, wow, I had no I, I, I didn't know I was going to tap into to this like <laughs> feeling this, this intensity feeling. Yeah. Yeah, around totally. this. Yeah, um, totally. It feels I, good, huh? It does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> I am. I'm really remembering a lot of things I haven't thought about in a long time. What a pure joy. Yeah, yeah. But like, pure capitalistic joy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was. But it's like uh, Japanese yeah. capitalism. I'm more comfortable. Right. Yeah, uh, there yeah, you go. Totally. Um, the thing that I would like to talk about that I just cannot get enough of is our Eric Thomas, who I and I think most people know primarily through his column on L.com, which I think is called Eric Reads the News. Um, he is a writer and he is so freaking so funny. funny. You told me recently that Thomas isn't that into him, which... No, and I was really upset about it. There was a column. We were on a plane, and there was mm -hmm. a Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know the mm -hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's fitness book? Yeah. yeah. Um, and our Eric Thomas decided to, like, live by the Ruth Gator mm -hmm. Bader Ginsburg yeah. fitness book for, like, two weeks or whatever, yeah. and cataloged it, and I'm sitting there, like, laughing to myself yeah. in my seat, and Thomas is like, what is it? And I'm like, you have to read this. It's yeah. so funny. And he reads, and he's like, I don't really get it. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what's lost on him. I don't, I can't explain. Neither do I. I think two things about our Eric Thomas. One, I actually laugh out loud yeah, every single time. And the there's thing. not, and there's so many things that I find funny that don't make me just crack up hysterically and uncontrollably at my desk. I can read the same story four times over and, and still. still crack up, which I know because I was pulling excerpts to read to you at this. I don't know if it's going to land with me reading it out loud. I meant to try reading it out loud before um, this, but I forgot. Um, so we're just going to go for it. But one thing that I found out about our Eric Thomas and Googling him, well, two, one, he's publishing a book. This which is I'm tremendously about. exciting. And actually, our editor at Random House, Sarah Weiss, is who's editing his book. Which just makes me feel so great oh about everyone God. involved. Completely. I was really, I felt like everything was right with the world when I found that out. Um, but he is also kind of the one responsible for kickstarting the Maxine Waters hype train, basically. Which um, is a train we are all happy to be on. I believe he coined the phrase anti-Maxine. 
Um, and yeah, he's just, um, he wrote, this is, I think when I first discovered him because he wrote a really funny story called Congressman Maxine Waters. We'll read you now. Um, Congresswoman. Oh yeah. Sorry. But yes. He, he wrote but everything a story. else about that was hundred <laughs> yes, percent right. That's right. <laughs> um, and it was just so funny. He, he relies really heavily on GIFs and like YouTube clips and stuff like that. So it can be hard to um, replicate it through a reading. And in fact, I'm not going to read you the Maxine Waters one because I don't think I'll do that good of a job. But, but you we'll should link definitely, to that one in the show We'll notes. link to yeah. it. Um, here's a, there, the two that I just also thought were so funny. Oh, because this was the other thing I wanted to say about our Eric Thomas is that he can write about anything and make it so hilarious anything. and find so much to say about it. So he wrote recently, there was this really dumb page six item about Brad Pitt using an alias to flirt with people, um, which is basically it was just that this woman met him at a coffee shop and he introduced himself as, I believe, William. Yeah. So he writes, Lydia replied, oh, you look like a Bradley. Props to Olivia Benson over here for solving the case. (laughs) This woman was like, listen, I didn't watch Legends of the Fall once a week for all of high school for you to hold a skim green tea latte and tell me your name is William. Not in this life. Not on my watch. I just, <laughs> he's so funny. The other one that I made, Erica, I think I like copy pasted seven sections of this one to you, was when Omarosa got fired from the Trump White House. And his, also his headlines are also really good. Um, this one is the Omarosa firing saga is just the Christmas present I needed. And this is an excerpt. Omarosa says that she didn't have a public blowout with Kelly, but rather that they sat down in the situation room. The situation room. Sorry, can you take this call with Kim Jong-un in the hall? We need to hash out an HR issue. (laughs) The situation room. I literally cannot. She's telling us that John Kelly scanned his retina and entered a soundproof, bombproof room so that he could fire a reality show contestant. Honey, she needs to harness that audacity. It could power the eastern seaboard. (laughs) That's my dramatic reading of our Eric Kelly. And Liz, when you're listening to this later, if it doesn't land, you can cut it. <laughs> but I just think he's so funny and incredibly delightful. And like, you know, just and we can't wait for his book. Eric for King. Our Eric. Our Eric, <laughs> our Eric for King. <laughs> what else you got? Um, this is this is like not a not as funny. Um, that's OK. <laughs> is that's that OK? Right. Yeah, that's okay. OK. It doesn't have to be funny. Um, good, because it will not this will not pass that test. OK. Um, I was in New Mexico over mm-hmm. the holidays. Um, I'm so I was. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I was attempting to ski in Taos, but mm-hmm. there wasn't really any snow, so mm-hmm. we just did that the one day. Yep. And we went to Santa Fe and and did all kinds of kinds of stuff. And the thing I was most excited to do, or one of the things I was like super hyped on, the Thomas kept being like, "I don't know if we really need to do this." I was like, "No, we're doing this." Yeah. Um, was to go to the tasting room for this winery, Gruet. Um, G-R-U-E-T. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a New Mexico wine producer. It's one of the largest oh. champagne method sparkling wine producers in the cool. United States. Um, it's super interesting. So it was started by these brother and sister um, French expats who started with an experimental vineyard in 1983. Um, and then they moved their operation to the town Truth and Consequences um, New oh, Mexico yeah. a year mm-hmm. later, which is yep. like the best, <laughs> the, the best. best name of any town yes. in the entire United States. Truly, so they did that right. Um, their dad had vineyards in the Champagne region um, in 
in France. And part of the appeal was that the climate of southern New Mexico is similar to that region. It has these sandy soils. And the growing season has really hot days and cool nights, which apparently mm, keeps the right. grapes the right acidity. I feel like that's the, a thing about Napa, right? To to- yeah, why that's yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of a thing. Totally. Um, so it, apparently it's like especially key for bubbly wines um, mm. to have these like hot days and cool nights. Um, but one of the things I, when I was reading about this, this like brother sister duo that I really loved is that when they first moved to the U.S., they didn't speak any English. Huh. Um, and for this year that they were testing out this um, this like experimental vineyard, they lived on a trailer on the property, the like brother sister, the sister's husband and her five month old <gasps> baby. Wow. Can you imagine? Actual nightmare. Actual nightmare. <laughs> Can you imagine moving to the desert what, in New Mexico? This is in the 80s? Uh, yes, 1983. Wow. Moving to the desert in New Mexico mm-hmm. from France, not speaking English with your brother, your husband, and your brand new baby and living in a trailer. That is like a show. This is wow. a show. That tr- like, no, it, I, that, it's, a, it's a really good sitcom. It's a great sitcom. Yeah. I would watch the shit out of this. Truly. That's good. Um. So the thing is, they make really, really great sparkling wine. It can't be called champagne because right, if right. it's not made in champagne, yep. France. Um, they're known for their brute, but they also have this really amazing sh- Sauvage Rosé, um, which is 100% Pinot Noir. And apparently it's like uncommon for... So it's a sparkling red. It's a, it is a Rosé, but oh, like... okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Huh. Um, and all of the bottles are like around 20 bucks, which is pretty uncommonly well-priced too. Um, I'm going to say a word that I don't know what it means. Uh-huh. It, it, does this fall under the umbrella of natural wines or pet nat? What's pet nat? Ooh, I couldn't tell you what pet nat is. Um, that's what Lauren Sherman's super into these days. Pet nat? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what that is. I'm <laughs> have to do do I. Some reading I don't know anything that. about natural wines. I don't know about anything about biodynamic wines, bio wines. Um, I don't think this falls into either of those categories. It's okay. I'll still Something drink that it, I, I learned about are. Sauvage Rosé is that it doesn't have dosage in it. And mm-hmm. dosage is this like sugar liquid that you mm-hmm. add to feed the yeast. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't necessarily make it sweet, but yeah. it's just like an additional component. So this is just like pure ass pinot noir juice um and the bottle's pretty too you know i what else are we looking for i have no idea um so there are tasting rooms in santa fe and albuquerque and i just had a really pleasant experience and so did thomas so yeah yeah you're making me want to go to do a wine tasting right feels like a very summer thing yeah that i'm not gonna get to do until (laughs) summer (laughs) it might be true um i spent the sort of post christmas holiday break in la with my parents yeah. as i often do and that that is truly a like a sitcom moment in my life for a week every year where it's just me and my parents because chris stays with his family in minneapolis and i go and your hang. brother doesn't your yeah brother my brother join for well this. yeah because he's always in italy with his wife's family so it's just like the three of us and a constant bickering um and like yet i do it all the and time love it. i love it yeah and i love them <laughs> um so my um and we so and always New Year's. I usually leave on New Year's Day and spend New Year's Eve like in bed by 830 and like we'll have dinner together at home. And so my mom and I were shopping. We were at um, Vicente Foods, which you and I both love. It's a great grocer. Great yeah. grocery store. Um, they paint their windows up real nice. Yeah, they for have all somebody, the holidays. They have somebody do paintings on their windows and they're so like they do cool like a Thanksgiving cornucopia. Yeah. They do all the things. And uh, in December, they do Christmas and Hanukkah. They do Passover. It's great. I love love the Sunny Foods. They know their audience over there. Yeah. Um. So and I just decided I was like, I know we were going to we weren't cooking anything particularly special for New Year's. And I 
had been having a craving for hot fudge on vanilla ice cream. So I went to grab some hot fudge and I put it in the um, cart and it was such a like being young moment where my mom caught it and was like, what is this? No. (laughs) You bought like like, some jar of Smuckers or something? Yeah, I put Smuckers in. Well, actually, no. I was deciding between Smuckers and this thing called Mrs. Robinson's or something like that. that The label looked familiar to me and I kind of remembered it from my childhood and felt like maybe we'd had it it in the house. at some point. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I put it in. Thought it might pass muster. Yeah. And so (laughs) so my mom found it when she was up unloading the cart at checkout and was like, what is this? And I was like, I just feel like I'm not going to drink tonight. And I just like, this is what I want as my celebratory moment as a hot fudge Sunday. And she was like, weren't there any better brands? And I was like, no. And I looked. And then so then she like, we like fully walk over together to the hot fudge area. Prove it. Yeah. (laughs) And bicker for about 10 minutes about what ones she's willing. And I love that because she's, this was like such a classic like food snob moment where she was like, what about the Stonewall kitchen one? Which like I, Newsflash, Stonewall Kitchen is the same as everything else. It's yeah. just fancier packaging. It's just better. It's still kind of like crap nodding, product nodding, at the end of the nodding, day. Nodding. And furthermore. It's not the answer to anybody's question. It's not. Furthermore, they just didn't have straight hot fudge. Um, they had like, you know, like salty caramel. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm like really in it for some like Purity. intense chocolate. Yeah. And I was saying, I was like, I don't know. I just feel like Smuckers has been selling this product forever. Because that was my thing. It was like, if you don't want this one you've never heard of, this like off brand, let's just go with Smuckers. It's like the classic. And she was like really didn't want the smuckers and so and ultimately she's just like let's just make it we can make it I'm sure it's really easy to make and I was like fine but can we still get a backup or something she's like no why don't you want to make it we're gonna make it fine so like stomp out of there having not bought any hot fudge and also not believing her that she's actually gonna like facilitate me making it well your mother loves making I know well I was so wrong because then she just like goes home opens up all her cookbooks finds like two or three hot fudge recipes presents them all to me I picked the Nancy Silverton one and what made you pick this one um it it looked the most well one I trust Nancy Silverton totally in a big way and I just like like her and I think she's chic and these are all fine uh, answers yeah this is what I'm looking for and it had very few ingredients um, it felt classic and like yeah, minimal and yeah exactly it, it wasn't did, too try hard it did have coffee in it and I was like let we decided to skip the coffee because I don't like coffee yeah I don't yeah, like yeah. or I don't like coffee like chocolate yeah, yeah it's not yeah, a thing yeah. I'm into um so then we went back out this time to Ralph's which I don't live Ralph's it's too big for me but, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I like that as part of this we're getting a full tour of the grocery store scene in Los Angeles <laughs> the Important. only thing yeah. I like about Ralph's is that yeah. there's always a ton of um paparazzi pictures taken in that they're like in the ralph's parking lot and so i'm always on the look i've never actually seen a celebrity in the ralph's parking lot but i always think i'm going to but the only thing you like about ralph's (laughs) is that the internet has made you believe or celebrity like media has made you believe you might see a celebrity that you never have that's right okay that's right Anyway, we went and basically the only ingredients that you need, I'm going to forget one, are cocoa and not like hot cocoa powder, but just like the uh, cocoa powder. powder. Yeah. Yeah. Baking, dark baking chocolate, light corn syrup, which is that like caro syrup that you put in pecan pie. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Um, That's what you buy it for. You've got some leftover. You're going to use it for this. Um, Sugar. And then I believe, um, oh, vanilla extract. Butter? No butter? No butter. She says that she doesn't like um, she actually speaks to why she doesn't I'm, yeah, like butter. You. And it's basically you, because she, I, I think what she says, she just like thinks hot fudge should be really like pure chocolate. And um, yeah, but she specifically speaks to the fact that she doesn't like butter, like cutting it basically. Interesting. Okay. Um, and it takes about five minutes to cook it. And it was A, so freaking delicious. And B, if you haven't had hot fudge on vanilla ice cream in a while, 
I really think it's time to reintroduce it into your life because it is just the best sensation, the hot cold thing. Yeah, totally. The best taste, like especially with a really good chocolate. You know what this feels really great for? Mm. Like having people over. Oh, totally. Um, Well, we're not saying dinner parties anymore. We're over that terminology. Yeah. Oh, Uh, oh, you're right. Because a crappy dinner party. Yeah. Yeah. But just like having people over dessert. That's right. It's so easy. The one thing. Because you can make this while people are clearing the table. Oh, you definitely can. It also keeps forever, which I know because I've been having hot fudge sundaes every day for about the last two weeks. Not to brag, but this is my new... Like every single, this is how I end this is my night advice. now. This is yeah. yeah. My problem is that um, I, I always overheat it and then the ice cream melts really quickly. So you have to get the right amount of heat. Unless you want ice cream soup with fudge. Which is still delicious. Yeah, totally. But it's just made it also feel like plain ice cream is worthless to me now. Like I only ever wow. want ice cream with hot fudge on it. It's so good. Um, um, this is not actually related, mm-hmm. or it's not like related to this, but it feels very yeah. much so. Um, Thomas's sister came to stay with us um, in December, and as a thank you, she bought Thomas an ice cream cake from Ample Hill, <laughs> which um, is the, the funniest thank you gift. Also, <laughs> there the, you go. I got you an ice cream cake. Thank you. Yeah, totally. It was a really funny thank yeah. you gift. He loves ice cream cake. He does. He loves Ample Hill. You guys had he, an ice cream cake at your wedding. We did, and yeah. he thinks that the Ample Hill ice cream cake is even better than the Dairy Queen ice cream cake. Which wow. is wow, exactly huge. So Ample Hill got the order wrong mm-hmm. and made two ice cream cakes <laughs> um, for us. Yeah. And I picked them up and it was like such a whole thing. And they were so lovely and wonderful as they always are. Um, but I like stomped home. It was snowy the day I picked them up and I stomped home with two ice cream cakes. Feeling yeah. like like an utter moron. <laughs> Who's carrying two ice cream cakes in, in snow. snow boots? Like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Thomas was doing basically what you were doing now. Yeah. Like in the weeks leading up to Christmas, eating just a large piece of ice cream cake every, every night. night. Well, because I'm sorry, once you do it, this is how vices get started. But you're like, well, that was so wonderful. How can I not sign How can off I live another day? day? Yeah, like <laughs> what it's like it's like this day would seem so anticlimactic and blah if I didn't end it with this wonderful treat. Understandable. Totally get it. Oh, it's just so good. I also need to just point out that obviously I had it over Hagen Dazs vanilla bean because there is no other acceptable vanilla ice cream. And you Heard. have to have hot fudge on vanilla ice cream. Yeah, Chris yeah, tried yeah, yeah. to convince me to try it on well, no, he did convince me to try it on mint chip just because there wasn't any other ice cream. And it's not good. That's interesting. It's too sweet. There is something about the vanilla chocolate thing that's very important. I think that's I think if you're having a hot fudge sundae, it should be it should be with vanilla. I think that's, that's right. right. Oh, the other thing is I tried to when we went back to Ralph's, then I tried to get, <laughs> then I tried I was like <laughs> here I am thinking we were gonna leave the LA grocery store scene behind, but how wrong I was. I was like, okay, now that we've I've like given her this that we're gonna do homemade hot fudge, which I still was stomping this, my this, feet about. This, this, you like, blessed your mother with yeah. Well, because I was like, this is so ridiculous and like maybe it's not gonna be good. I was still trying to get a backup one. I was like, maybe we should just buy this in case it doesn't turn out. And she's like, how is it not gonna turn out? It's like chocolate and sugar and I was like just in case she wouldn't let me do it and then I was like but how about a thing of maraschino cherries and she was like absolutely not does she know about luxardo cherries they didn't have them okay. there I did look but she was just like you're not getting she's maraschino. had like she's had luxardo cherries. I don't know if she has it's I not, think I feel like yeah. that's something I should send your mom you it's just like a thing that she you know would what appreciate in the world and if she what doesn't I go put on it, my dad would love oh, it. my dad true. loves to put something like that on ice cream he would be I really love cool. that on ice cream oh my I, god okay I'm, I'm gonna solve through this problem. 
I'm in. No, she wouldn't let me buy them. And this was after having spent a week in Minneapolis watching my nephews drink Shirley Temples and being so jealous that I couldn't order one and just like really wanting their cherries. And so I was like, okay, like I this is my moment when I have a hot fudge party for uh, New Year's. But as once again... Denied. <laughs> yeah, denied. <laughs> and that's what happens when you go grocery shopping with your oh parents. Oh my God, amazing. Um, my last thing that I feel really like I really have to share is food related and mm-hmm. feels like Nancy Silverton adjacent. Yeah. Um, this Ina Garten podcast. Yes. Okay. I've like always, I feel like I've always paid attention to Ina Garten, yeah. but this podcast just made me feel really invested. This and is when you joined the official fan club. hundred yeah. percent. I said in my dues straight yeah. away afterwards <laughs> and it was totally worth Have it. Have you gotten your membership card in yes. the mail yet? Okay, um, good. It's beautiful. It's letterpressed. Good. Um, so this is an Ina Garten interview on how to be amazing with Michael Ian Black. Mm-hmm. Um, she just talks about how she how she her like career path her life path all of this but it just I don't know it was so compellingly presented she was so charming I was just like super into her whole story as she told it and I think maybe I just haven't heard her story in her words Mm -hmm. um I feel like I've only consumed her through like food news media or on you know television which is a very different experience Mm -hmm. um there were a couple things that were really big takeaways for me one, she talked about Jeffrey, her husband, mm-hmm. which like, of course she did, because yes, if you course. know anything about Ina Garten mm-hmm. is that she has like a kind of like creepily affectionate relationship with her husband. Just and, loves him. Yeah, and yeah. Ex- He's just, just the supporting character of that show. Yeah. And yeah. like he is her muse and she is his. And this is just like their life. Um, but the one thing that they talk about on the show um, is that she feels like being in this really secure relationship mm-hmm. with Jeffrey makes gives her all of this freedom mm-hmm. um she feels like because she has this like rock in her life yep. she has freedom to do all of these other things mm-hmm. and to like really take these risks and yep. try things out which i thought was a really interesting and like compelling take on a long-term relationship that you don't often hear you told me that and it really spoke to me in a big way and i i i feel the same way yeah and i totally. mean and i and i and it helped me sort of clarify something that i felt about being in a relationship and I've only ever really been in two um, long-term relationships in my life. But in both of them, I noticed that um, my relationship with depression changed because I never like fully fell through the floor. Like, and yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, that yeah, yeah. with Chris and like, and which is not to say I don't still get depressed, but I, I, it, I find it. I, I feel it, like anchored. Or I something. feel Yeah. That's yeah. it. I yeah. feel anchored and I still, and I, it, it's like, I don't, it's hard to articulate because I still do get depressed, but um, it feels, I feel a little safer. Like I, yeah. it feels like yeah. I, it doesn't, I don't feel as at There's risk. a safety net there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is that to use that metaphor and, and to speak to what she's saying is that, um, you have that safety net, you know, that you have something to fall to. And so much of depression for me is about feeling isolated and alone and like, yeah. or just like a huge failure. And if you have this thing where there's like always somebody there for you and all, and there's that one successful thing in your life, it's your relationship, then it's harder to fall completely through. And yet I, when you told me that I was like, I totally feel that way. And I feel that way about my relationship with of a kind in relation to Chris and like how that has had so many ups and downs and feels scary and we take risks and all that stuff. But yeah, totally really wonderful. Um, the other thing that I really loved. So she, before she's the Ina Garten that like we know her as, Mm -hmm. is like a, food tv personality she owned a um gourmet store in east hampton called Mm -hmm. barefoot contessa that she bought from someone um, who'd been running it for like a year she had no idea what she was doing going into it and she ran it i think for like 14 years and no 
maybe 10 years. I don't know, whatever. Some, a while. Somewhere between like nine and 15 years. Okay. <laughs> um, and um, she decided at a certain point, like she was done. She was going to mm-hmm. close the shop, but she didn't know what she was going to do next. And she said that she had a friend who was a psychiatrist who told her that like type A people think that they can figure out their next move like while they're deep in, you know, what they're currently mm-hmm. doing and they can't mm-hmm. and that she needed to just like fully pull out of it. Mm-hmm. So what she did is she sold the shop. She uh, rented an office hmm. upstairs <laughs> and went to that office every day for a year with like shit to do. Wow. She's like, I like read magazines. Hmm. I like, I really like did nothing. Wow. One week she said that Jeffrey went out of town and he was like, okay, what are your plans this week? Like, mm-hmm. what do you have going on? She's like, I have a manicure on Wednesday. And he's like, <laughs> like, and then what else? And she's like, no, like, actually, like, I have a manicure on Wednesday. That's all I have going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it opened her up to the idea of writing a cookbook, which became mm-hmm. a really huge thing. Right. Um, eventually um, opened her up to the idea of writing or being having a TV show. Um, yeah. She really is such a compelling character. She really is. Listen to this the, thing, people. It's the, so good. The thing that did it for me and that I sense would be good paired with this episode that I should I need to listen to myself is this. Well, now I can't remember where, but we'll, there's a really good art long form article with her that we'll put mm, in the show mm-hmm, notes. Mm-hmm. That, was it Eater? Yes, yeah. it was Eater. And then it was really, really good. And it was a, a similar thing where she really goes into her background and her whole life story. And you really get a sense of the sort of whole scope of this woman. Um, and then another good piece paired with that is that, um, <laughs> in the all, um, David Cho and Corey Sika, now editor of, of the style section of New York times, basically published their G chat about that article. And it yeah. was really entertaining. <laughs> um, so there's three pieces of Unigarten. All worth for consuming for yeah. sure. Um, I didn't put this in 10 things. Maybe I will, but feels related. I listened to a podcast episode of Janet Mock interviewing Kris Jenner about her life and business. Oh, wow. It was good. I well, yeah, any, anything Kris Jenner. Yeah. Yeah, I'll consume that content. I don't consume anything that Kris Jenner puts out into the world, yeah. really, but I'll consume anything about Kris Jenner. That, it was super interesting. I will put that in 10 things. That's a good idea for me. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, into that. Yeah. Got anything else you're desperate to share? Um... You know what? While we're on the topic of podcasts, um, there is this one called The High Low. Yeah. Um, It is. I feel like it's the British version of this podcast. Totally. um, With a slightly more newsy bent. I've Um, only listened to one episode so far, but I was very into it. I really, really enjoy it. I sometimes um, struggle to understand some other references. Well, well, and references. I just like don't get into British shows a lot of the time because I'm like. A, I like struggle to sometimes understand what they're saying. Yeah. I've been told that watching The Crown with subtitles is the way to do it. Or not subtitles, but captions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Post captions. Um, and two, because yes, the references often feel hard because, and sometimes I do I get don't lost know on these like references. British B, C, D list celebrities. Exactly. Well, and they like talk about podcasts that are more popular there and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But they're basically two journalists, um, Pandora and Dolly and and best friends and they just talk about the same bs that we talk about and are very authentic and smart and charming and i really enjoy it and i yeah. think um if you like this podcast you'll like that podcast for sure yeah 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 yeah, yeah but just don't leave us but don't yeah. leave that's right <laughs> don't leave us there's room for, for more it's like how people who have two kids always say like i didn't know how i was gonna love a second kid as much as my first but then it's just like your heart opens wide that's what this podcast that's is right it's gonna be like it's for you. your heart's gonna open up and make room for another yeah. 
Um, speaking of this podcast, mm-hmm. we're, we're here every Monday. Sure are. Um, you can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, leave us a review, and now on Spotify to advertise on our podcast or just send us any ideas for topics or questions, um, thoughts on how to put on lipstick, <laughs> yeah, email, a few I'm things at avakind.com. Our intro music, Butterfield East, is written and performed by the Soulful Saints. Our audio editing is done by Liz Smith, and we often record at Showbiz Studios, but today we are here at HeadGum. Pretty That's cool. That's right. That's the show. Bye. So many of you guys write in and ask about our theme song. It is called Butterfield East, and it is composed and performed by the Soulful Saints. You can check them out over at DallaRecords.com. That was a HeadGum Podcast.